Well, I'm here with Brian Stuyverson. Uh, he's one of our uh, three, one of the three lead pastors here at TBA. And um, well, you've been one of my great mentors for my life, cool. and you've been a really big part of you know me growing and becoming the worship leader that I am. And um, so you mean a lot to me. But you've been amazing in the church, and you've been here for a very long time. So I just kind of wanted to get an idea of you know maybe where you came from, and um, maybe you can just tell us a couple minutes about you know yeah. about that. Well, definitely. Uh, um, born in Oklahoma, so typical Oklahoma experience, which means there's nothing there, you know, mm. for, you know, to offend everybody from Oklahoma. <laughs> but since I'm from there, I can do that. But no, it, I, I had a, a pretty good childhood. I mean, there were things with my parents and, and things in my family life. You know, my, my dad ended up having a tumor. So there was things that were there. But when I look back as, as God has worked in those things, mm-hmm. I can look back and say, you know, I had a pretty good I didn't have a bad, or at least I was ignorantly blissful, you know, in a lot of ways. But grow, growing up in Oklahoma, I think my mom gave me a love for music because, you know, you talked about worship and um, and being a part of that and, you know, you and I being able to do worship at times. And so that was a huge part of my journey. But I moved to Arizona in fifth grade. And when I moved to Arizona in fifth grade, that's when, I don't know, it suddenly just things changed for me. You know, it was like really got into music in a different way. And um, my best friend played guitar, and, and music's a part of my journey in talking about this, so it just yeah. I can't help but talk about that. It's just always been so much a part of my life. But, um, you know, and I had grown up in the church, in a Southern Baptist church, and I, I hear some people talk about their experience in a Southern Baptist church, and it's really bad, mm. like really no grace. But, I, again, those, those wonderful things, I can look back as much as there might have been stuff I can look back and say my church experience was actually amazing. And I went to a, a Southern Baptist church that was full of grace. Um, you know, you saw it in the pastor's face. You felt it. And that's where I gave my life to Christ. But when I moved to Phoenix, things started happening with my, my parents and, and their marriage that we would find out later had to do with my dad's tumor. You know, and, um, and through that, I just kind of went in a rebellious path and went away from that. My best friend, Jason played guitar so you know I grew up playing piano um mm. and you know so That's we got into guitar I don't think I've ever known that yeah it's crazy because so basically my piano experience was like my mom wanted me to play piano and I actually liked it because I loved music but I wanted to be outside riding my bike mm. so she would set a timer on a piano which I now have in my house oddly okay. enough ironically <laughs> and she'd set a timer for 30 minutes and she would leave and so I was like you know speeding it up to get out of there and it was crazy because I I think I can I can read music and I could do it back then but it was so much easier for me to hear it by ear and so it was so much easier to get through whatever I had to do real fast, not really learn it, but know enough to pick it up by ear when I went to my lesson right, to right. kind of get used through it. But I didn't retain any of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just funny how that is. But, um, but yeah, in, so in middle school, you know, playing guitar, getting into music that I wasn't allowed to as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And, um, and that's a whole other thing. And um, my best friend Jason, you know, playing, and he was way, way, way better than I was. To the point where I was like, I don't know if I need to play guitar. <laughs> but I always had one around, and we yeah. would, we'd always be jamming. And, and I was in a band in high school, um, probably a really horrible band looking back now, which is probably most people's you know garage band experiences. Yeah, yeah. And we played like a weird form of Nirvana slash classic rock kind of stuff, you know, or in covers and things. And then um, when I was 20, that's when Christ changed my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to that. But that was in Phoenix as well and um, ended up. 
my parents moved to Florida to be with my brother and his family, and that's right when grandkids were being born. So they came here, and I was in junior college actually getting my music degree. So going to Phoenix College, doing, you know, three, one, and two, you know, three, and four, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And um thought I can come to Florida and see another part of the country, you know, because part of my journey, too, before Christ changed my life at 20 is I was sort of traveling around a lot in Arizona and New Mexico, kind of the hippie lifestyle, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we I ended up coming out to Florida for a little while and um, going to junior college, and I went to a church. And the, it was, you know, I was at my parents' house. It was a weird situation, you know, not weird. It was weird for me, not for them, but it was like, okay, I'm kind of in the old enough to not be in the house, but since I came out here, I'm in the house. Right. So I wanted to find my own church, and um, but then God just one time I was reading um, "Created to Be God's Friend" by Henry Blackaby, and um, I was like, I just need to serve somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being picky about where I go and I can't go to my parents and my brother's church. Right, right. And so they were doing a build out, and I'm like, I'm just going to go to this build out. And so I walked in the door, and the youth pastor came over to me, and um, Derek Worthington, I think he's in New York now, but he came up to me and he's like you know, introduce himself. And so I was where the youth were in the build out. They were, okay. they were redoing this shopping center and making church of the Springs out of it, which mm. is in Ocala. That's pretty cool. And, um, so it was just neat how God quickly connected us. And so we got to talking and he found out I play guitar and he's like, man, I've been praying for a worship leader. Mm. And, um, at that point in Phoenix, I'd only like been in a house church leading worship and um, I didn't even wear a strap. I mean, I sat down because it was just a house church. <laughs> right, you know, right, you're right, not right. like, it's not all official standing up in front yeah. of people. And so it was a by faith thing. He's like, I've been praying for worship leader. And it was just one of those God moments where, you know, you can't, if you say no, you know, it's, you know, you know, you know that God's speaking. If you say no, you're running away. So that was kind of my thing. So for the first time I put on a strap and stood up in front of a bunch of youth and did worship. And, you know, it was, it ended up being a really cool thing. So in the midst of that, I felt like it was time to go back to um, Grand Canyon University and finish my music degree. So um, I ended up moving back and going for a semester and getting the call in Florida because they were planting a new church called New Life. And it was in Marion Oaks. It was a little outside of Ocala. And so I'm like, God, what do you want me to do here? You know, and and, um, so I just felt like God was leading me to do that. And so for a while, they kind of flew me back for like preview things is what church plants looked like back then preview things maybe it still does okay and um so we did that and i ended up coming back and helping plant that church but because that because of my lack of maturity because of things in my past and things that i hadn't really taken before god i um ran away from that calling mm-hmm. and uh, all the way to portland oregon and um learned a huge lesson you probably wanted this to be like a two-second thing that no, I, I said <laughs> but, but I ran good. away I ran away to Portland Oregon and uh, one of my best friends lived up there and um that I met in Phoenix and we'd in Phoenix we'd actually had a little cafe band if you can call it that we wrote some original music and and jammed out in cafes and stuff so I moved over there and I learned a really great amazing lesson that I'd rather suffer in God's will right. than suffer outside of God's will right you know even though he was there I knew he was there it was just different. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird thing to come back and, um, you know, to humble myself before God. And, and um, I ended up moving to Brandon because, again, I was being stubborn. I'm like, I don't want to move where my parents are yeah, and, you yeah. know, all that. And I moved to Brandon. And it was a – I think God restores us in different ways. Mine was a slow 
process of trust. Like, you know, I, I want to trust you with these things, but I'm going to slowly put you back where you belong to show you that it's not good to run away. You know, right. you need to, you know, the hippie lifestyle doesn't work in ministry. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. different. And so so, so eventually you, you come to what's known as Church of the Highlands back in the day. Yeah. And how, kind of how did you get involved there and, and kind of... Um, you know, become the worship leader there. Yeah, well, so in Brandon, mm-hmm. I had a, I, I wasn't even seeking God. I had a weekend where God just, I, I again, I haven't had a many moments in my life like this, but, you know, it was clearly God. And um, he was telling me he wanted me to preach the word. And I'm like, well, I'm a worship leader. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm going back to ministry, you know, I, and, and suddenly when he gave me that word, he put things in my mind that reminded me of, of things I hadn't even thought about. And it was pastors that had said, we love when you do music. We know God's got a calling on that, but we also see this in you. Mm. And just stuff I shook off. And then then he brought back a memory of, of when I was a kid preaching into a little recording thing, cassette recorder, okay. and doing music in it. But it was the, the preaching part. And so I asked him where, and I asked all these questions, and it ended up being in Lakeland. Mm. And so I was going to Southeastern University um, close by our church where we're doing this at. And um, so I came to Southeastern, and I went to different churches and could not get connected. It was mm. just the weirdest thing. I, I felt like a church hopper that didn't want to be a church hopper. Right. And um, I had an assignment to go interview a pastor, and so I went back up to Ocala to the church I had been at to interview a guy that was new there. I didn't even know him okay. that was on staff. And he's like, hey, I've got my friend Hal Howler who's planting a church, and called him, and— um, that summer I ended up leading worship for the youth. It was crazy. It was just like, okay. again, yeah, yeah. when God moves, he moves. Yeah. You know, things can go really slow, and then when he moves, it's like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and I find that in my life, too, for sure. Like, yeah. just like he'll tell me something, but then within, you know, a couple of weeks or months, it's just like, yeah. wow, that moved way faster than I thought it would. Yeah, absolutely, sure. absolutely. And sometimes it's hard because it's so slow in the process, and then it's like suddenly there. So, um, yeah, I mean, getting involved in Church of the Highlands, um, the youth pastor there, leading worship for that. They actually had started off with a, a guy named Charlie West, and he was kind of a mentor to me. Mm. And um, so, you know, doing that, that's where I met Jen. And, um, you know, going through Church of the Highlands and then merging to TBA. And, you know, eventually I was the worship leader at Church of the Highlands after Charlie went yeah. to, I think, Planet Church or whatever it was. And How long were you the worship leader there? Um that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I really can't even remember. I know I started coming maybe like 2006. Um, it was Charlie, or was I? I'm pretty sure you were the leader yeah. by then. Um, we planted the church in 03, maybe 05 mm. or something is where I, I took over. It's really hard to remember Yeah. all that kind of journey and that. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was later. I don't know. But at least <laughs> by whenever you came, I was. So Okay, so let's fast forward a bit. So you, yeah. you became the worship leader at Church of the Highlands, which eventually merged with Epic right. to become TBA right. um, a while down the road. But um, did you think that you would always be leading worship, or did you kind of always know that you'd be moving on at some point? I knew I, knew I would because that's how I even came to Lakeland. I mm-hmm. came to go to Southeastern because I had that call to preach the word. Although I, I think it was clear God was like, this is a dual calling, you right. know. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of clear, but I never really felt the pressure of like, oh, I've got to go preach. Right. You know, I was totally content doing worship. Mm. So. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Um, but a few years ago, you made the transition to kind of, you know, stop doing worship. 
how was that for you? Was it harder than you thought it would be, or was it easier than you thought it would be? It was way easy. Yeah? Way easy. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't even know, and I probably need to sit down and just process that with the Lord, why it was without, you know, because it's one of those things you start to say things like, that doesn't sound good the way I said it, you know. <laughs> but um, it was way easy to do it, and it was just time. And I think what was cool is that even the directors that were at TBA saw that it was time. Mm. And I think that was what's, again, when God confirms things, you know, it's not just you, it's people around you that can see that too. And so that was really nice to have that confirmation, to have support from, you know, the other pastors, Dave and Brian, um, was really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. Awesome. So. Cool. Well, um, let's get into a little bit about FT60. So we're about yeah. halfway, a little over halfway through this year-long yeah, following plan called FT60. And, right. um, you know, this week we're on, I think, uh, week 33. And um, right. so I know that you are a big voice in kind of bringing this to TBA and, and um, kind of being a part of that starting. So what was kind of the vision behind it? Where did it come from? You know, what is FT60 about? Yeah, I think there was, you know, I, I don't even know how many years ago, but, you know, when, when Dave and, and Brian and I are, are praying and we're going to our retreats, I think we just kind of came to a place where we realized that, you know, it's that verse our, my, where God says, my people are dying because of lack of knowledge. And there is a, it's just a move away from the Bible. And it's not a purposeful one. I don't think people are trying to avoid God's word. But right. we know that it, if, if people are going to have a relationship with the Lord, it starts with the word of God. And so I think it was, how do we get people in scripture? How do we get them to love the word? How do we get them to not, because, you know, Jesus says, to the Pharisees, you think that you, you search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life by them, yeah. but they point to me. So it's not so much just the F-260 plan, it's Jesus. You know, it's like, we know if we can get people in there, we can get them to Jesus, mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you know, and bring them to it. So I think it was part of, of that, of just wanting to see our people, you know, knowing God and knowing God through his word and, you know, tearing down the lies of the devil because they're reading his word. So Yeah, and I feel like for me at least, I, I mean, just looking at the people that we have in our church and seeing kind of the, the change, I think it's, it's been insane. Like just being able to see how much, um, growth we've had. Um, and not necessarily like, you know, we're a a hundred million person church now, but it's like just the growth within people and within families, like the healing that we've seen and, and just the lives changed, you know, absolutely. Um, it's been really, really cool to see that. So, um, so I did ask a few people if they had just questions for you. Are you serious? Um, no way. Just to, just to see if, um, <laughs> oh, great. just to see if, you know, we had some stuff to, to talk about through the FD60 yeah. plan. And they had some questions about the first couple of days yeah. this week. So like I said, we're in week 33 days, 161 through 165. Yeah. So um, we're kind of getting into the beginning of the Gospels. <laughs> and uh, there's some cool stuff in there. And uh, really glad we're not in the Old Testament with these questions. <laughs> it's probably way harder. Yeah, but there's some cool ones. So on the first day, one of the, one of the little verses that it gives us yeah. is uh, Luke 14, 26 through 27. And that talks about when Jesus is basically like anyone who doesn't hate their mother or father, their brother yeah. or sister, right. or even themselves can't come follow yeah, yeah. me. Um, so a lot of people were kind of confused about that. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Like, yeah, obviously I love my mom and dad, you know? Right. Like, and, and and even just taking that, that it's even harder because of that. Because no, no matter what culture you're from, right. you have a love for your family. But then take American culture and American Christianity, where we've almost elevated family, yeah, even everything. far above everything. Yeah, where it's yeah. like family values. Again, not to be political, but it's one because I mean, you know, we we have to be in the political realm. But we've kind of like said, "Wow, family is boom way up here," right. and and God's like, "No, I've got this bigger family," 
And, you know, in our families, when you start to follow me, you might find that it's a sword. You know, he talked about, I think it's in one of our readings, in one of the, the passages upcoming, but, you know, I've, I've come to bring a sword, you know, that it will split families, you know, that, that immediate blood relative family, I think is mm-hmm. what he's talking about. And so, and then you're like, well, wait, how do I contrast that with when he comes, he'll bring peace on earth. Right, right, right. And I think the peace that he brings because of the devil's, you know, dominion, it's also a sword. And it's, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it, it, it can split a family because you might not have Christ followers in there. But I also think with that passage, we're, you know, we're talking about people who maybe put and elevate their kids mm. or their parents above God, you know, and if we're truly going to love our family and our kids, and if I'm going to truly love my wife, Jennifer, I have to love Jesus first. Yeah. And I want Jennifer to love Jesus first, because if she doesn't love Jesus first, we're not in the right order of how God created things from the very, very beginning right. when it was about Adam and Eve and Jesus walking in the garden together. They always knew when he was coming. They get the coolness of breeze. He's walking in, and when they're hiding from him, it's startling because they used to walk with him in the garden, you know, and it doesn't specifically say that, but right. you gather that from the Scripture. Right, so there's a difference between, like, it's not that you don't care about your family, but that you're prioritizing God first. Yeah. And if he... Like, yeah. whatever he says comes above anything that your family will say. Right. And Jesus often uses, I think, and, you know, Karen Colson, if you're out there, you can, you know, correct <laughs> me, but hyperbole. And it's where you t- you say something really extreme to prove a point. And so, you know, in this case, maybe it's debatable whether he's doing that. But at the end of the day, he really is saying that there's some of you that, in choosing to follow me, are going to put your family first. Why do I ele- ele- elevate my wife above the Lord? You know, so. Yeah. Well, let's pick one more question and kind of flesh it out a little bit. Um, one of the things that a lot of people asked were, um, you know, they talked about the transfiguration in, in a couple of the chapters yeah. that we're talking about when they're up on the mountain. Um, <clears throat> but they didn't, um, they were kind of confused about how uh, Peter was able to recognize, like, Moses and Elijah. Like, <laughs> like I don't know that you have an answer for that, but... Um, yeah, I don't. But I don't know. Let's just talk about the, the transfiguration a little bit and maybe flesh that out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, that's such a, an amazing, interesting thing. And, you know, we, we got, when I went to Israel, we got to stand on really maybe two of the possibilities of where that is because it says a mountain. It doesn't really tell yeah. us where, but one is Mount Tabor. And then the other is, is it kind of, it's cool to think of this, but it's the place where Jesus declared, you know, Peter, you're the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates yeah. of hell, you know. In that um, Mount Hermon area, there's many mountains, and some think because he had just said that, and then they go to the Transfiguration, that it might have been that area, but we don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But regardless, um, the Transfiguration, wow, there, dude, there's so much there. Because one, because, you know, his face becomes like a sh- the sun, and yeah. his, his clothes are white. And, um, you know, Jesus calls himself the temple. And so when he's transfigured like that, um, you're getting a look at the temple, the true temple, mm. you know, because when Solomon built a temple, he used these white um, stones and he plated all the insight gold because all that reflects light, mm. you know, and God is light and there's no right. darkness in him and, and all that. So that's what's kind of neat about that. It's during one of the festivals of tabernacles when they build shelters and that's when God tabernacles among his people, mm-hmm. tabernacle, temple. He's looking like a temple. He's tabernacling. So that's why Peter's like, let's build booths yeah, because yeah. it's during this whole festival. And so even though he's like scared and they're sleepy and they're out of their right mind and they're seeing this, 
Yeah, it's, but it, I think it's an interesting question they ask about, yeah. how, how do I know it's Moses and Elijah? Yeah. I mean, my best guess is it's like somehow it was really, really obvious yeah, yeah. to them that it was Moses and Elijah. But, you know, it, yeah. I just picture it's probably all casual in Hebrew and like, <laughs> hey, man, what's up? I'm Elijah. Yeah, you know that yeah. fire stuff? That was me. So, you know, yeah. and Moses was probably very serious and like, yo, don't trespass against me, man. I got yeah. the, the Ten Commandments, yo, or whatever. <laughs> But that represents the law and the prophets. Mm. The law and the prophets were there to testify what God the Father is going to say. He's saying, this is my son, listen to him. Yeah. You've listened to the law, who's Moses. You've listened to the prophets. They're all pointing to him. Now listen to him. Mm. You know, and it was important that Peter and um, James and John, those three specifically, because that was Jesus' D group. Yeah. You know, we talk about D groups at our church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Jesus' D group. Uh, you didn't call that, but we're calling it that. Yeah. So, um, so amazing question. I have no idea. It's the, the, the bottom line. Bottom yeah, line. Well, the Holy Spirit can communicate a lot of things for sure. Yes. Um, so last thing, if you could meet or sit down with any Bible character other than God or Jesus, or, <laughs> you know, right, um, right. we talk to him every day anyways, but if you could sit down with any, you know, man or woman from yeah. the Bible, um, who would it be and what would you talk about and why? Man, I, I really think it'd be Elisha. Yeah. And, um, there's something with Elijah and Elisha that when you first look at their lives, it's it's all power. Mm. But then when you start to investigate their lives, you see a um, a softer side to them. You see something that maybe you don't see because you get overwhelmed by this miraculous stuff that they did. And um, excuse me, um, that wasn't tears. That was burp- <laughs> that was burping. Just for the record, that was probably needing a drink of water. So we'll have to remember that for future podcasts. Yes, yes future podcasts. So we'll future podcasts. Yeah. So no tears. It wasn't like man, Elijah just breaks my heart. Yeah. No, but um, you know, with, with Elijah and Elisha and, and the people that God would call them to to care for. You know, and we talked a while back and from the F two sixty plan. You know, taking care of the widow and the son, and. Um, but I, I feel like I, I see that in their lives. And so much of Elijah's ministry will mirror what Jesus does later. Mm. And I don't know. I just find it really intriguing um, with them right now. I think where I'm at, you know, how they uh, – of that softer side that probably fueled the fire mm. as well. And I think that's so important is, you know, with the power of God comes the, the face of God, which is the presence. And it's all about relationship and and you see that with Elijah and Elisha. It's easy to get caught up in how God displayed his power through them, but it was really so much of this walking with God. And um, and then if anywhere from there, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I would just love to hang out with King David and yeah, write some yeah. songs. You yeah. know, it's probably kind of a, a given, but, sure. you know. That's like my first go-to, <laughs> yeah. for sure. But anyways, well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks cool, for cool. kind of letting us into a little bit about your life. and Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Hopefully we get to talk more about F360 and maybe flesh some more things out like that. So Definitely. Cool. Definitely. Thanks. It was awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs>